everybody, and welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Burke, and Mark. We talk about horror, sci-fi, unusual, unappreciated, forgotten, you name it. Anyway, it's always good. Listen to us. All right. Hey. Hey. listening. Hey. How are you doing? Hey. I'm listening. What's there going on? What do you have to talk about today, Kathy? <laughs> what are we Kathy? talking? I'm going to talk now. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about, we have... Um, we have always been fascinated by those low budget, you know, independently financed movies that maybe don't get the appreciation they deserve. And it's always interesting to see how people go about doing that kind of stuff. I'm always very inspired by that. Yeah. There's people that make their films, you know, that we, we see, you know, we, like recently we've been, recently we've been talking about a few of them, like, um, the endless and those kind of films where you can. Absentia. It, Absentia. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a great example. A it's yeah. like, just the kind of films where you get the impression that you could make this yourself if you had, if you were so inclined, you know, if you were a filmmaker, there's nothing, there's no barrier between making a film and between you and making a film. If you have things that are readily available, you know, you can, you can shoot with a relatively inexpensive camera. If you aspire to be a filmmaker, it's not that hard these days. It used to be... A lot harder, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, if you have, you're working on film, and you, yeah. you have to buy film. You need a film. studio for mixing and everything. Well, you used to have to get... I remember people talking about short ends. That was the thing yeah. of collecting yeah. the ends of the film that didn't get exposed and collecting them in the refrigerator so that they could shoot their film and and then having to pay these studios to do the editing and pay somebody to edit and to transfer the film and do all these things he's processing and but now if you have a dslr you know i mean for a, it it's a little expensive but for a few thousand bucks seriously less than you would have spent back in the old days you can buy your own gear and make you a can film rent easily rent and you can also. rent a lot cheaper mm-hmm. i don't know is there anyone that knows how to do how to make films like that Mark, <laughs> you hey, know what a segue. You know what? Mark Thank just you. made his own film. He made a film. Yeah, I'd like to know about how that can happen. Uh, yes, I did. Well, <laughs> you know that's been a, a lifelong dream to to at least try and make something. So here, you know, you can do this anywhere, but in Los Angeles, uh, there are a lot of people that are obviously in the industry, and just through friends and friendships and and uh, you know people we knew. I got to meet some people that have done short films or work in the industry as, as producers or uh, line producers and, and casting agents, those kind of people. And I saved some money, and not a lot, but some. And and with these friends, I said, you know, I, and I, I've written scripts for years and I had some sh- uh, short scripts. I said, let's do this. And, you know, it still took a while to sort of pull it all together, but uh, some of my friends have been here for a while, and they know all these people, and they, they're willing to get a credit for very little to no money. So we pulled the trigger, and we shot it, uh, you know, a few months ago, and a little three-day shoot, a little 20-minute movie. Uh, post-production was a whole other thing, you know, that was you know, yeah. learning how to, you know, coordinate you know, post-production, find somebody who's going to edit this thing, find somebody who's going to put music to it, do the color correction, uh, you know, and everything else. It's just a process. And I don't know how to do any of that. So, But it's a great learning thing. And, and and I've, sure I've you... learned a lot, and, and especially on the shoot, just, you know, I've been on shoots before, but here's when I was kind of, you know, behind, uh, you know, the video village and watching the, the shots and saying, you know, and getting, I wasn't directing it, uh, another guy was, but... 
Um, Mitch would ask me the director, but you wrote it. It was I wrote it. I wrote it and I executive produced it. It's called Breathe, by the way, and it was just submitted to a bunch of festivals, film festivals around the country, Uh, and we're getting some responses back. Are you happy with the way it came out? I am. I am. Yeah, I think it looks. It's uh, it's amazing to see. What's really gratifying is to watch all these people. I think a crew of like twenty five people. Who are making this movie that and just came out of my head? That's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild and you sort see of it come to life. Yeah, and see those words work, that you wrote, right? And so super gratifying, and I'm very ecstatic with by the way it came out, and um, you're going to have a premiere soon. How long is it? Twenty one minutes. Oh. Yeah. So we tried to keep it even shorter, but you know, it's just. It's just hard. I, I was actually a forty-page script, and then I—they said that's just kind of no man's land as far as length. So I cut it down to fifteen, but it ended up being twenty minutes. Huh. So, oh. um, and for a lot of these f- film festivals, when you enter it as a short film subject, it's got to be twenty minutes or less. Oh, okay. So, but they'll, even the extra minutes, okay. In some of these, uh, some of these festivals, or hopefully it will be. How do you find like actors for your film? Well, it was again through. Uh, I did, don't know any actors, you know. So that that, um, but my friends did, and they they've been on other shows and uh, you know sitcoms, uh, small movies, even bigger movies. So, um, and we had a casting agent to help out with some of the other uh, some of the other roles. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really so, cool. So official, all these. It actors. was yeah. It was just it's really fun. I got the bug. Yeah, oh, okay. I definitely you know want to do it again. Um, I have other scripts, and it's just a matter of sort of seeing how you know getting out there and seeing how it works. You know, and now you know how it works, and yeah. it, and now you know how to do another one and another one. That's really and cool. And I know what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you I, say? I, what is not to do when you make a film like that? <sighs> well, I think. Um, this being my first foray into it, I had to really rely on everybody else. I really didn't feel comfortable making my own decisions because I'm the newbie. Yeah, right. You weren't sure. Like, is this the right way to so, do it? So, but then, I, and and but then I would say, okay, well, that's fine. This is this is great. But this, I'm not so thrilled with this. But I'm learning, so I know what to cut out the next time. You know, as far as, you know, on the financial end of things, you know, how to maybe shave some money off oh, and yeah. things like that, and how to better utilize uh, the funds available, and also get funds from you know other people because you want to use other people's money oh, yeah, versus your own. So, it's the business side of things, yeah. which is you just have to do it. Yeah. And you'll learn from it. But, yeah, it's done. I'm excited. It's very uh, cool. We'll see what we'll happens. Sh- we should keep track of the uh, progress of this film and yeah. how it does in the festivals and yeah. the will, future of it and oh, your so ongoing much. filmmaking career. That'll be It's so fun. Cool. It's a bucket list thing. You know, if <laughs> you, Even if nothing else happened down the road, it was a, a great experience. Hey, yeah. you made a movie. I made a movie. <laughs> and a kick-ass poster by a certain... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, it's what I do. World class designer, world class, K- K- famous yeah, world class. K- Kathy did it, and it's uh, everybody loves it. By the way, seriously. Oh, good. I'm we glad. can show it on the podcast website thing. Yeah, we'll Twitter post posters it is. and festival information. Wow. Yeah, so cool. Well, thank you guys for uh, so you, you know. guys can look for it out there. Coming to a theater near you. <laughs> but speaking of homemade, you know, things that are made by filmmakers, first films getting started in the industry and making your films and lower budgets and things like that. Those are the kind of films we like to talk about a lot here. And we all saw one recently that was a, it was one of those great little films that takes place in a certain location, pretty much stays in that location, has a handful of actors, 
but has a really compelling story, very suspenseful, very thrilling. It's a thriller. It's a suspense thriller. It's a thrilling thriller. And it's a thrilling thriller <laughs> with suspense. <laughs> You're keeping me in suspense. <laughs> what could it be? I the name so... of the movie is Caliber. <laughs> And it's a Scottish film. It's like, did my radio just go off? What happened? <laughs> I was doing suspense. Was I was suspense. trying to be Hitchcocky in there. Should have had the music. Nothing was... beats silence in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Miles Davis says, "Silence is a note." <laughs> Especially after you take a, after you tell a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that was Frank Zappa. I don't Caliber, but Caliber. Caliber. Did, what did you guys think of that? Well, Kathy, actually, you, you turned yeah. me on to it, and I thought it was fantastic. Found it, was, it on Netflix. It's on, available on Netflix, Scottish film, filmed in the Highlands, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, uh, written and directed by Matt Palmer. This was his first feature. He's yeah. done a few shorts. He's done short films just like you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll give him a buzz. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Hey, Matt. <laughs> We're almost short. brothers. <laughs> What are you doing? Click. <laughs> I made a short film too. Click. <laughs> no, wait. Come back. Yeah. Why Hello? You, Hello, Matt? Away? I thought we were bonding. I like I like single malt whiskey. Anything? Hey, speaking of Haggis? that, we should toast Mark's movie before we get started. Yes. Oh, our whiskey the... of the day, which I think is a whiskey we had before. Is this a the... A toast uh, to breathe. Which kind? Which, what this kind? is still uh, the Colorado whiskey, Strahan's, but I think I have bullets oh, okay. of the bourbon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So either way, it's mm. delicious, but yum, yum. Ah, but, cheers. Um, Very cheers. nice. But yes, Caliber, do see it. We're going to talk about it in depth today. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a good, um, it's a good example of what we were, were talking about. We were, we were trying to find a, a thread that runs through certain films that we all like, and it's this thread that kind of involves a concept that that where you feel like you're walking down a path and you reach a crossroads and you have to make a choice and you know those films where the characters are presented with a situation where it's like okay do I do this or do I do that and sometimes those movies can be great because the, the, the situation that you're presented with is something that you yourself wonder what you would do you know like it's like, it's the every man or every woman is is usually yeah. the character that is you know is facing this choice. It's yeah. somebody like us. Would I take the money? You know, it's like would you? And it's like in, if you were all alone and nobody was watching, you know, would you take that briefcase full of money from the gangster? You know, there's all these moments in the film in films where you're on just on the razor's edge between going on with your daily life. And having a life about which nobody would make a film. <laughs> yeah, that's called. And, and, but in, in this, it's the setup, and you know it. Yeah, okay? it's the yeah. setup. It's like, okay, these two guys are going to go on a on a trip, a hunting trip. So one guy is uh, married; uh, his wife is pregnant. Doesn't really want to go on a hunting trip. He's kind of a gentle soul. Yeah, he doesn't like the idea of hunting. And I like the two types of men in this movie, like the the sort of examinations of how, like the masculinity, and which way you can go with it, where it could be hyper-masculine, which is his friend, and then the more gentle kind of 
responsible masculinity of a guy who doesn't necessarily have to go hunting to prove he's a man. Exactly. Well said. I mean, and that's Vaughn. Um, yes. And he is sort of this guy that's, well, he's going to do it because his his buddy Marcus, who is really who's the hyper macho guy, is kind of forcing him into do it. Hey, you know what? You're going to you're going to have a kid. You're going to be a father. You can't do this anymore. Once it's had, one of those kind of things. He, he said at one point, he said, your life is about to end. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it and, and of course, it's not. Yeah, but he 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 Marcus was was feeling like, wow, you're going to get you're about to get married and your you know this your fiance is pregnant. So you're just about to you're very close to having a wife and a baby. So in his mind, your life is over. Your life is over. Or you're and you're right. leaving me. You're leaving yes. my kind of life. Yeah, we can't we're have not this gonna, freedom we're not, anymore. We're not going to really be friends after right. this. So let's blow it out with one weekend of going stalking, aka yeah. hunting. And so they go up to this village, and they check into an old, uh, you know, bed and breakfast inn type of place, and they go to the local bar. I think it's called like the, the sh- the what's it called the sheep's head or something like that. <laughs> One of those. The, the bloody elk. The slaughtered lamb. The slaughtered well, lamb. Yeah, say slaughtered lamb. <laughs> yeah. Stay off the bars. Yeah, <laughs> it was very much that. Keep <laughs> to the roads. <laughs> exactly. If only they had. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they go and they, and they end up getting drunk and there's a two uh, attractive women there who sort of sit down and uh, there's a lot of townsfo- townsfolks are there and they're the, they're the outsiders. So it's a, kind of the scene you've seen before, but it's done very well. And, uh, and still Vaughn is kind of reluctant because he's like, I have a wife at home. I have a baby. He's trying to be the good guy, but you can tell he's kind of flattered by the attention. And he gets drunk. Yeah. And he gets drunk and he's kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then when he finally tells the girl, like, he's, she's kind of like, oh, well, yeah. right, you're married. But she's and, like, well, let's go have a drink and, and talk. She was cool. you know? She's like, she, right. fine. She gave him like, a shot. Yeah. So they have a fun time, but they, they're drunk and they're hungover the next morning. And this is when they're going to go hunting. Stalking and uh, stalking, <laughs> and Vaughn has a hangover. And Marcus, his friend, says, "No, here, have some whiskey. This will help you." You know, so he takes a shot of that, and off they go into the into the wild. And Vaughn is very reluctant to have a gun. In fact, he doesn't bring his gun. He yeah, he it. he kind of conveniently forgets it, I think. But his buddy, I think, kind of realizes he probably forgot it on purpose. Right. Right. He even uh, says, like, I don't want to shoot a deer. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. And but he's the, like, but you have to do it. But he's very dominating. His, yeah. his Marcus is very dominating, and I think Vaughn doesn't want to be considered, like, a big wimp. So, right. he, you know, it's that kind of peer pressure of, like, okay, I can be a man, too. And so, yeah, and so they're out in the woods, and lo and behold, they see a deer maybe 50 yards away. I, I don't know how far. <laughs> um, and then Vaughn spots the deer. So Marcus says, okay, that that's your shot. Which really stresses me out because I hate animal stuff in movies. Yeah, animals killed in films. Oh, uh, I can't but, stand it. So, so but fortunately, the stuff. animal didn't get killed. Hey, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he lines up the shot. He's got the he got the, the, the head of the deer in his sights. And he pulls the trigger. Squeezes the trigger. Yep. And a really great shot, actually, here. This is the ter- This is sort of the first the first little node of the of the turning point here is when he shoots the deer the deer moves out of the way and a little boy is there it's behind the deer and no one had seen him until the deer moved its head and the little boy falls down like he's shot right in the head it's and Ugh, it, it was and so well done it was really well done in the film it's a shock Boom. it's a fast shock. it happens really fast and yeah vaughn and, and to a lesser extent marcus he realizes that right now his life 
he's he's it doesn't matter everything he's, he's has fucked. changed i mean it's just he's toast and he, 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 he and i think marcus is saying don't go don't run over there because the, the the guy wants he wants to run over and see if the little boy's okay but he's like no 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 we got to get out of here we got to leave right now yeah but he goes and checks on the little boy and the boy is just dead and then and then somebody they hear somebody in the woods saying Sammy Sammy yeah and then the uh, dad comes up <coughs> and notices that his son is dead of course is distraught beyond belief and. After he gets up, he has his gun, and he's sort of pointing it. Well, he's pointing it at Vaughn. He's right? he's holding it, and it's pointing to him, but it doesn't look like he wants to shoot him. It I, looks like I, he's just looking at the gun like, I can't believe this gun. I got the same impression. Yeah. He, he was just looking at him like in total disbelief. But apparently Marcus felt like it was threatening enough to where he just kills him. He kills the guy. I'm I think Marcus away. panicked because he thought, ah, another witness, my life is over, and yeah. he shot him. I don't so then the two of them are stuck now. They're like two dead bodies in the woods. And Marcus starts trying to convince um, his buddy, we've got to bury him. we got to do something. Or we got to get out of here. I think they leave first and they come back later that night to bury him. Right. But they try to dig the grave at night. They go out. They leave the inn late at night and sneak out and go back to the place and find the bodies. And it's this really one of those grim scenes where they're digging and uh. and uh, his Marcus what was the friend's name Vaughn Vaughn yeah. is just it's sort of like that scene we were talking about in uh, in uh, Deliverance where Ronnie Cox is the one who doesn't want to do it you know he's the holdout that's like no we can't do this we got to report it but he's being forced to dig a grave you know <laughs> And so they're digging and it's just you feel like his heart's just breaking he's digging a grave to bury a man and his child, you know, it's the most horrific thing you can imagine. And meanwhile, Marcus realizes the bullet, he goes and finds the bullet lodged in a tree, but he can't find the other bullet. And he realizes that the other bullet is in the still in the kid. So he pulls out his knife and, you know, fortunately we don't see anything, but we know what's happening. He gets the bullet. I think that's also where Vaughn kind of, I think it's it's kind of occurring to him that Marcus is on a whole other level with this. Right. Like, that's one thing I like, too, is that their discussion is sort of like the discussion I feel like you would have as the audience member. You know, they have this, like, what should we do? We have to go to the police. No, we can't go to the police. Then it's like, well, if we're finally going to decide we're not going to the police, we have to get rid of evidence. And then to find out the evidence is sort of spreading out around them, whether it was a bullet in a log and a bullet in the kid. Like, it just it just keeps getting worse. And I love that they talk about it and they're kind of, Vaughn is always sort of, we need to go to the police. And Mark's like, no, we're not going to the police. They always have that great conflict. And I think with Vaughn, I mean, he wants to do it. But w- what Marcus says, he says two things. He goes, number one, you shot my gun, which is illegal. Yep. And number two, you have whiskey on your breath because he took a, a shot of whiskey. So you're, you know, this is, you're not innocent. You know, and he also it. makes sense when he starts talking about. It. He said, "Do you want to come back to this little town and stand trial in front of a jury made up of the family of these people and those people back in that village who are already mad at him? You know, they're already upset with these people for hitting on the local girls. You know, yeah. Right. So you know, it, it makes sense in in that dire situation. And the rest of the movie is just dire. It, it's just yeah. you feel for Vaughn. You feel like." this is a nightmare that I could never imagine and I just can't get out of it. 
And but once we'll, he helped Marcus dig that grave and put the bodies in there, he's complicit. You know, he, he is part it. of it now. Yeah. It's too deep. And yeah. That's where they took that left turn. Into, right. And, and that's, you know, and the rest of the movie is how, what happens. And that's and just how, that piling on of decisions, like things they have to do to cover up. Like, okay, you buried the body. Now you've got to take shovels back to the hotel where everyone's, you know, staying. You have to drive in the middle of the night. It's sort of, why are you driving in in the middle of the night? There's all these little, little considerations that you kind of are trying to skirt around. And he said something. Somebody oh. said, oh, my son saw you last night going out. Where were you going? And he's like, and he said something about night hunting. And he's like, well, you know, that's illegal. Yeah. And he's like, well, we didn't shoot anything. You know, you're trying to cover up for all these. And you're just digging yourself into a hole. Well, then why were you up there at night? You know, they're meeting all these these uh, mostly men, you know, the the, the men of the, of the, of the town, the and townsfolk. Yeah. And they're sort of having dinner with them and chatting with them. But uh, they're leery of these guys just because they're outsiders. And also they, their story doesn't quite ring true. So. Um, but it was so, it was so intense and so suspenseful that the whole, the whole movie, you know, the way they were trying to get away with it. And then do you really want him to get away with it? Right. I almost didn't want to finish it. I was so like in knots watching this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, it's so suspenseful. <laughs> it is one of those things where you're, you're thinking, do I want these guys to get away with this? They did something pretty horrible. They should have just gone. I mean, it's that classic thing. If they just gone to the police first. Well, yeah. For me, whenever I watch one of these kind of movies, I always sort of want them to get away with it because I, yeah, I feel I felt for Vaughn. Yeah, I felt bad for Vaughn, but I didn't. I felt like Vaughn was being pulled in it to protect Marcus alone because all of this is technically Marcus's fault. Mm -hmm. He forced Vaughn to shoot a deer. He gave him his gun. Like I think all of it was covering Marcus's ass almost more than Vaughn. I think Vaughn was ready to sort of take you know bite the bullet and take it. Yeah, but I I don't think Marcus because Marcus was going to get the brunt of it. Right. So right. I think, and especially because, you know, Vaughn's shooting was an accident. Marcus's was intentional. Yeah, and, <laughs> so and that like, could be proven. That's where, you know, he became basically a partner in Marcus's crimes. Right, right. You can't go to the police and say, we accidentally shot two people at two different times in the woods. So once they shot the dad, it was, you know. It was over. It's a downward spiral. But it's some really, to do. Uh, it's intense. I mean, there's some really just, it, but it all, it's plausible. It's like, it's very realistic. As far as the way they do, do it. you guys remember yeah. Peter Greenaway? That yeah, sure. mm-hmm. uh, this editor is the same editor who did all of Peter Greenaway's really? movies. Really? Yep. Well, that's interesting. So it's like that's what you get. Like you get a first-time filmmaker, and if he can get a really hot-shot editor, shit, you're almost yeah. ha- you're halfway home. Because that. the movie is very well done uh, for beautiful. a first-timer. You know, it's everything about it seems very first-class, even though it is a lower-budget film. Yeah, right, it the very acting, big is, the, the performances are superb. Yep. I don't think there's a, a, a false note in any of them. Yeah, no. the acting was what really helped sell this whole thing. If you can't, you know, if your actors are don't have the right kind of charisma, you don't believe them. You don't buy that they're suffering, and and you know, both of these guys went through so many stages of of fear and horror and what the hell and you know the the one actor what's the actor who played Vaughn I think he did a great job yeah as, these um, are both really good well Martin McCann played Marcus who was in a film called The Survivalist which right. is another sort of a low budget intense film um, and that's why when I first saw him so he's always playing these kind of intense characters yeah and we'll uh, have to cover that film you should it's a good one um I believe Jack Loudon. I think that's the name. Yeah. Played Vaughn. 
Who I've, but ne- he I've was, actually ne- never seen him before. Yeah, yeah. but he was yeah, he, he was. Yeah. It's that's a hard kind of a character to play where you're someone who's who's just having to go on this spiral. You know, you start off happy at the beginning of the film. He's happy, everything's good. He's smiling. They're joking around. They're old friends, and then you, as the film progresses, you devolve into into despair. You know, it, he he goes from into a, sort of an extreme of despair and that's really hard to portray realistically and you really buy that this guy you know by the time certain events transpire and you get close to the end of the film and this guy is really in a desperate situation you believe him you totally yeah. believe it there's and a you're se- sympathetic yeah there's a scene where uh he's having to make chit chat over dinner uh oh, that's right and as you just put, your, you put like yourself like, uh, in his shoes. Like he just can't talk. He can't look at this food, which is like venison, I think. With which oh, is, that's right. And, yeah. and um, he's just he just has to get away, and he just goes to the bathroom, and uh, you know stays there for you know for a long time. But I get it, you know. And the guys, the town folk guys, are like, "Is he okay?" And and Marcus says, "Yeah, he just had too much to drink last night." Uh-huh. <laughs> so so Loudon was also in Dunkirk. Oh, okay. And, you know what? And also, uh, Matt Palmer was picked up by Chris Nolan's uh, representation, so it's all kind of in the family now. Oh, oh nice, good, good. Okay, now so I, Christopher I, Nolan spotted a good, a good filmmaker. Yeah, he knows good stuff when he yeah. sees it. Did Jack Loudon play uh, Tom Hardy's? I think he played Tom Hardy's um, friend in the in the uh, one of the pilots. That does seem familiar. The, uh, the blonde. I, I you know don't know off the top of my head, but. I haven't seen uh, Dunkirk. I need to see that one. What? Oh, I love you Christopher do. Nolan. Yeah. It's uh, I you know I have to say he it's plays Collins, but I don't remember their names. Collins. Collins. No. Okay, it, that it, was his it, name. Yeah. Okay, so that was. I think uh, to me, that was, that was my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. It was really, really wow because yeah. it's it's tight. It's like less than two hours. It's tight. Has three different timelines that are really interesting. One hour, one day, Whoa. one week, and. Um, the, the scenes are incredible. The, the music, the sound design of it is inc- amazing. You know, it's a, yeah. I read articles about sound design and how they had to find the right kind of aircraft to get the engine sound correct. I and, like that uh, attention to detail, though. Yeah, yeah. No, and the interesting a, thing about the uh, the Stukas, you know, the, those sirens that they had. I read this thing about how nobody has a, nobody really has any good recordings of those sirens, and then, and none of those actual sirens still exist. No kidding. Oh. And they had to use some kind of speculation and designing uh, what what they probably would have been and what they probably would have sounded like because you always hear that sound effect in old war movies, you know, the <laughs> siren of the mm-hmm. Stukas. But some people say that that's not what they sounded like you know some of the old timers that heard them they were like no it was a it was a horrific shriek and it was a it was different than what you hear in the movies and yeah. i think christopher nolan tried to find that sound there's some there's the sound is really ear piercing yeah you know, and really scary um even the bullets and everything about it so yeah you break you have to check it out i will yeah. Let's definitely check it out. Well, it's also, I think, what I like about this movie. Same about Caliber? S- caliber, yes. sorry. Yeah. Back to Caliber. We're off of Dunkirk. <laughs> Back to present day. Um, so I think one of the things I like about, which also I like about Deliverance, is taking uh, what should be a fun time in an incredibly beautiful right. place and make it a nightmare. Like, the locations in this movie are incredible. Like, just the forests and the mountains and just, oh, my God, it's gorgeous. And just to know this little, tiny, horrible nightmare is unfolding inside of it is so interesting. Yeah. 
and Scotland is so beautiful and mm-hmm. and this is a bucolic sort of Highland village yeah. right should so be just quaint a, and cute yeah but yet it's for them it's it's hell and a so bunch of us went to Scotland once and we walked around in those places and I remember going to the little distillery in Pitlockery and yes. walking through these these places that looked a lot like what what was in the film those little villages and these really sweet people and you're thinking what a what an unusual setting for a for a tense stressful film like this <laughs> no, right do you remember when you were walking to the the distillery and we thought we were lost and you and chad my husband walk up to that house because yeah. you thought it was a hotel <laughs> chad and i walk up to this beautiful <laughs> scottish house and it, we thought it was an inn that we could maybe stay or have something or get to some eat. information and chad and i walk in the front door and we walk into the house and it's really nice and and we get pretty far into the house and we're like is this really an inn and and a woman kind of pokes her head out of a room and she's like excuse me and they're like hi is this an inn and she's like no <laughs> just walked into someone's house like, okay we'll be leaving your private residence now <laughs> sorry oh, but we're that such so dumb funny. foreigners you know so i'm sorry we're americans we just walked right in we thought it was an inn yeah there's no sign yeah but it was only the middle of nowhere like you're walking down this country road going where the fuck are we it's like there's nothing here oh there's a there's a hotel in the but your house there. really looks like an inn that i've seen in movies please let it be an inn yeah. please. she was so nice she was very sweet <laughs> Very, so very you were sweet. really looking for a place to, to stay? Was well, one of those we to have we, dinner or something. Oh, gotcha, I think we wanted gotcha. to eat. Well, we right? were walking. We took the train and we were trying to walk to the smallest distillery in the world. You know, this is me. And so we... Uh, Edradour. Edradour, yeah. And uh, as we're walking along, we obviously took a wrong turn and took the long way there. And mm-hmm. we're just walking down the road in the middle of nowhere going, where the hell are we? <laughs> it's like, so we thought maybe they'll know at this hotel here. <laughs> But it really was. That was the the place where this movie takes place. Seeming, seemingly, yeah. where t- this movie takes place. This kind of quaint little village with these sweet people. And you know, if this horrible thing hadn't happened, these two guys would have had a great time in that little town. And these townsfolk would have been really, yeah. you know, accommodating and kind. And but as it turns out, the the it, you know, if you haven't seen it, please. Turn the tape off now. (laughs) Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. But from here on in, we're going to talk, we're going to start talking a little spoilery. not too many spoilers. We're not totally spoiling this movie. Yeah, we won't talk about the very final shot, but, but what eventually happens is they, the guys are onto them. They figure it out. They, they put a, it's somebody's nephew and that was killed and his, and his dad and they're Everybody's related and knows each other. Yeah. You know, of course. Marcus was right about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so they they have they have a search party and they basically the town folk tell these two guys you guys got to come out with us and help us search. And these guys are hanging by a thread. I mean, yeah, they they're... aren't criminals. They didn't do a good job. I mean, everybody's sort of suspicious of them anyway because they can't seem to answer a question correctly. Yeah, and they <laughs> so they're sort of yeah they're not painting themselves very well no, in this film. And he also slept with the girl, one of the girls, and the and the the boyfriend of the girl or the father of the girl was like you gave her cocaine and you did this and this and you people from the big city and so they're already sort of hated and there's a great scene where they have this yearly affair like some sort of uh, i forgot what it was what it was called but 
It's just people having food and drink. A big bonfire. Bonfire. Right. I thought and, for sure they were going to throw them in the fire. And, yeah. And, but all the people. Wicker Man moment. Yeah, it was very Wicker Man. It was very Man. Wicker Man. Very, they're all looking at them and it's just it's super And Marcus says uneasy. something's not right here. Something's Some, not right. Because they're all looking at him and they say, you got to come and, and talk to us and come over here. And that's when things really go south. And everything hits the fan at yeah. that point. It's really But that's when they really say, intense. you got to come with us to the search party. We're searching. Right. And when they go out with them in the, in the search party, I mean, they're in a car. And when they pass the place where they had parked their car and gone hunting, they were like, okay, good. We're passing. They're not anywhere near. They're not anywhere near. We're going to go past where we where the bodies are buried. And they go further down. But then they go on this long search. And I think one of the moments in the film where it was like, oh, crap. Was when they pulled dogs Do- out of the oh, car. Yeah. The tracker dog. I was like, oh shit. These guys see those dogs and they're like, oh my God, we're we're, it's over. Dogs will find them. I right. thought it was amazing that they would actually walk with them toward the crime scene. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I totally get it. You think yeah. like somehow. What are you going to do? You're just like, what are we going to do? Just run? And eventually they do. They yeah. do. They're the only option left run. to them. They get to a <laughs> desperate point when the, guy, when the dogs are actually trying to dig up the bodies and they actually find, like they start finding the bodies and these two guys are just like they're at this moment of absolute panic and they're like run yeah. <laughs> it was so funny yeah. and they run yeah. through the woods they run through the woods what else are they going to do and guys yeah. with yeah. guns are chasing them and dogs and dogs <laughs> where, do you, where the hell are you going it was really horrifying <laughs> and but they it's get definitely in the car and they drive the car and they the guys are chasing them in the car and then they jump out of the car and they run into the woods and well, they did something. They cut the gas line or something to the car, so they kind of they were because they kind of uh, suspected, yeah, because yeah. they ran out of gas real quickly. And yeah, it, it just or I think when they were shooting at them, and I think oh, the bullet hit yeah, the, 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 the gas tank. tank. Oh, okay. But I think they still, I still think they suspected them. I have they a feeling that they brought sure. them. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. If you want a really taught one hundred really movie, yeah. very clean. This is good. We should probably stop yeah. right here. Yeah, no more time. You really There's need lots more see. fun stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really joy good. to find to, to to say, well, what's this about, and and, and exactly. check it out. And when you discover a movie like that, it's just really one of the great joys of watching movies. Right. And if you like Deliverance, you know this is another kind of Scottish we derivation. Talk, yeah, I kind of talked about Deliverance a bit. <laughs> we we did. But we we were also talking about other movies that have those moments, those crossroad moments, like where somebody makes a a decision or something happens that forces somebody to make a decision that thereby sort of creates the story. Whereas yeah. if you didn't make that decision at this point in the movie, you'd just go on with your happy life and there wouldn't be a film. Right. <laughs> yeah. You have to go down the wrong path to make it interesting. Like, remember that film? It was a Sam Raimi film based on a on a book by the guy who wrote The Ruins. Yes. And whose name I can't remember. Scott Smith. Scott, Scott Smith, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And it's called A Simple Plan. And it has one of those moments where they find a crashed airplane and they look inside and they find a whole bunch of money. It's a really good movie. Bill Paxton, Billy Bob Thornton. <coughs> um, who else is in it? But they have to oh, make Bridget that... Fonda. They have oh, to right, make yeah. that decision. There's that yeah. There's that crossroads you come to. You're like, do I do this or not do this? One is the safe, you know, responsible way, and one is the instant gratification might improve my life, but also probably a legal way. And these are good, hardworking guys, and they're having money trouble, and they're like, this would solve all of our problems. It would make our lives so much better if we took this money. Nobody's going to miss it. Nobody's going to know it's gone. These guys are dead. They don't need it. 
and they take it'd it. It'd be very tempting for me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Because you'd think, who would suspect me? But then once you get it, and then all these other things start compounding. And like, what are some of the other movies like that we were talking about? The Postman Always Rings Twice. Yeah. Sure. The film noir stuff like that, like that one. Yeah. Double Indemnity is another one. Double Indemnity. Where... But that's a that's one of those we were talking about that 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 crossroads is a is a definite full right turn that's into 90, evil that's a 90 degree turn <laughs> that's yeah. true it's one thing taking a sack of money it's another thing killing you know yeah a, a killing a husband killing the husband of a woman you just met you know which, like yeah. and then by proxy body heat which was yeah. the same dumb left turn that someone right takes. yeah i love that where people think that's a solution you see it in real life too where it's like you know what we should do to be together have money is we should kill my spouse it's right like not not ever a good idea. That's a guarantee for a happy marriage. It, it'll work out. <laughs> we'll always trust each other. Yeah, exactly. It's so bad. I would be guilty if I stole a candy bar. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> that would bother me. I so. would never be able to do that. Even well, I money, remember I'd be worried. Somebody was saying, you know, Fred McMurray, they were talking about double, indemn- or double indemnity and about the casting. And they were saying, Fred McMurray is such an interesting choice. And I think a lot of people who are older who watch television watch reruns they remember fred mcmurray from my three sons as the dad and just this good dad you know and then they see him in this movie being you know mr tough guy and deciding to help somebody kill her husband they were like gosh what would make fred mcmurray want to murder someone and it's like barbara stanwick would yeah, yeah, yeah. and you watch this movie and you're like okay i believe she is so bad in this movie she's such a such a bad influence. Exactly. I liked Fred McMurray in, when he played those kind of roles. Yeah. Like the Kane Mutiny played kind of a yeah. jerky guy, you know, and it was quite, jerky quite good. Guy. Yeah, jerky he was guy. just a good actor, that guy. He was, yeah. a, he was just a good character. We had that, like, remember Shallow Grave where they had that choice to take the money or not when right. the right. dies? I love that one because it's, in a way, it's it, you relate to them on that kind of joyous level. They don't have a ton of money, and they have this money, these three roommates, and they go, this will be so great, and they go on a shopping spree, and they're having so much fun. It's and like then, an episode of Friends. It's so... Where they find some money. Uh, yeah. The, like, the one like where the they way, find the money. Yeah. <laughs> we find money, and we go totally shit crazy, and now it's not. We're going to pay back time. Yeah. yeah. It's always yeah. the payback. Payback. If time. somebody's going to make a movie about it, it's always going to have to have a payback thing in it, right? Otherwise, what would happen if they found the money and they just had fun with it? And and I like how they kind of, in a way, kind of go a little bit crazy because of what they did. Because they, they, too, had to dispose of a body. They didn't kill the guy. He died of a drug overdose. But they took his money and they had to dispose of a body. And that just messes everyone up. Mm. And it's the kind of thing also we were talking about, that the crossroads. Not just a not just a legal from a legal point of of suddenly being in trouble, but it's also that existential thing, that emotional thing of like in movies like Deliverance and Caliber. You know, we're not giving away the ending of Caliber, but it does have an element of this this thing that you that's the event that happened in your life, this situation, and the choice that you made has completely changed your life. It's completely changed everything. You'll never have another day of peace, of and, of well, happy like, you know, freedom. You'll you'll always have this weight and on what, you. What makes that work is we're like those people. Right. And you think to yourself, what if I did that and how I would how would I feel if I accidentally shot a, a child but, but but got away with it? Right. The rest right. of my life, I have that. I can't tell my wife. I yeah. can't tell anybody. 
It's a secret. And we'll that's just, eat just you alive. I you would, also, it would be almost like an hour wouldn't pass where it didn't. It would. Hit, it would just be looking over your shoulder. All it, the time. it would be yeah. torturous, and that and you know that's the worst possible outcome. Yeah, that's worse than the legal thing. Yeah. It's worth worse than going. to I prison would rather go to prison for ten years or twenty years. And go, okay, yeah. well, you know, whatever. I, so the lesson of these movies is go to the police. Go when you have that moral <laughs> choice. You're at the crossroads. Turn yourself in. Turn yourself in. And believe me, it's better. Don't <laughs> dig yourself deeper into the hole you're already in. It's like that. It's not the crime. It's the cover up. Oh, very good. <laughs> True. So we have mail. Oh, oh we do. We, we should do. have a little quick. Are we okay on time? We have a little quick. We're running over, but we could, I think maybe we have enough time for a quick uh, listener mail. Yeah, we, we have got? a message from Catherine. Good name. <laughs> it says, when a stranger calls is the, the name of the uh, email. And it says, I would love to have you discuss this movie. I don't think there has ever been a movie that left such an impression on me. To me, it was so frightening. Have you checked the children? OMG. <laughs> All right. oh, well, I, I have never seen it. Oh. You've never seen it. Not even no. back when it came out. Really? What, what's the date on it? What 1979. Oh. Fred Walton directed it. He, I don't think he directed anything except maybe the, the sequel, which uh, I didn't see, and a few other things. Well, that's right. But, there was a sequel. Yeah, When a Stranger Calls 2. <laughs> when two strangers call. <laughs> when a stranger calls again yeah. and, and again. Uh, but uh, uh, I saw that when it came out, and that was, you know, right after Halloween. So I was into anything that was horror. I'm going to check it out. So, um,. What I can say about When a Stranger Calls, it's got a great first 20 minutes. And then you'll know when that 20 minutes is up, and you can turn the movie off. You can. Oh, no. Yeah. It was originally a short film. And you can tell, because the, fir- the first and 20 minutes is great. It's, Carol Kane. It, it, Car- Carol Kane pays, uh, plays a babysitter who's in this house taking care of these, you know, these two kids are sleeping upstairs, mm-hmm. and she just gets phone calls. And, the, <laughs> and, and they, the, the, uh, the person on the other line goes, have you checked the children? But she keeps answering the phone. The phone, you know, that was what's funny. The phone keeps ringing. So this whole, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, ring, 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 ring. And it's that old analog, really right. loud. Yeah. Ring, bell. Ring, An ring, actual ring. bell. And she yeah. answers. She's like, why do you keep going? She hangs up. Ring, 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 ring. So through the whole 15 minutes, you're just hearing this phone ring and it's so grating. Oh, no. Like, ah. But, you know. She keeps answering. But then she gets kind of freaked out, so she calls the police, and the police say, well, there's nothing we can do about it, because, you know, if she call, he calls back, blow, you know, uh, you know, uh, blow a whistle in the, in, in the phone, that'll, you know, that'll turn them off, you know. <laughs> Great advice from the cops. Yeah, so um, it, that doesn't work. And then, you know, um, more, more phone calls, have you checked the children? And she starts getting, she gets freaked out. And then um, she gets a call back. And she thinks, you know, she thinks it's the guy and it's the policeman. And he goes, uh, Kathy or whatever her name is. Um, this is Sergeant Sacker. The phone calls are coming from inside the house. Inside the house. Get outside. You know, dun, get dun, out. dun. And then, you know, and then, and then the door starts opening upstairs and she tries to get out. And so it's a very suspenseful mm-hmm. 20 minutes. And then when the door opens, there's, a, there's Fat Charles Dorning. <laughs> Just and then you, can, then you can turn the movie And off. the camera kind of zooms right on him. You're like, ah! Oh, no. It's horrifying. <laughs> and then, then it just turns into a generic procedural, it's, I think. Huh. It's kind of, and it's not very interesting. It's very strange because that part we ends should in say, We should say, sorry, Catherine, but the movie that you suggested. <laughs> well, I think was, and it's well, like no, I love anyone who minutes. sees this movie remembers those first 20 minutes and they think it's the whole movie it's like kind of like where you imagine the scary parts of like halloween or something and you think you've you know that's the whole movie and 
then you see there's lots of other stuff in between <laughs> well this one i think everybody thinks when a stranger calls when a guy calls a woman and she's babysitting and he ends up being upstairs and he's killed the children they think that's the whole movie right I, even i thought like i'm like i don't remember this movie i remember that part so i remember when i was watching it i'm like i don't remember any of this last <laughs> hour of charles durning chasing the killer who's this he escapes from a mental hospital right so, uh, but it's him basically walking down the street, following a woman home. Yeah, and then you see Charles Durning following, you know, going down the street. It's a lot of shots of people walking down the streets, and not a lot else happens. Was it a made-for-TV movie? No, no, it was released at oh. the theater. It was wow. a lower-budget film, and uh, but I remember seeing it. I remember the local reviewer in my hometown said this is one of the scariest movies ever made. That opening scene is one of the scariest, really well done opening scenes, it's and that was you know, Scream even riffed on it with the guy calling. Yes, it's really good. It's the first time you had sort of had that sort of yeah. babysitter kind of thing. But wasn't that um, caller, the, the call is coming from inside the house. That Black had been Christmas. done in Dial M for Murder, right? Wasn't that sort of an old was idea? Wasn't that? Maybe. Well, maybe it wasn't. I mean, I, I can't remember Dial M for Murder. I, I don't know if that was the first time I've ever heard that, but it just, it worked for that first 20 minutes. But well, the Black rest... Christmas came out first, right? Yes. yes. And that had that. Yes. And so, a much okay. scarier phone calls also. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, but the rest of the movie just sort of, for me anyway, just I, I lost interest at the theater. Going, oh, oh this is not so scary. It was not it's scary. Ch- Charles Durning. A lot of <laughs> <walking> it, sounds, <laughs> it just sounds to me like a made-for-TV movie. It was very seventies. Well, it very it even the music was very like mu- very made-for-TV-esque. It sort of had that vibe, you know. Um, you know what we should do for another ep- for a, a future episode? See what if anybody has it any listeners have opinions on this we should do an episode about made for tv movies some yeah. like horror movies that were made for tv like the people under the stairs and oh, yeah you know those kolchak movies what was and that michael sarah's and frankenstein one was that just frankenstein the true story frankenstein the true story i remember that being so scary as a that's kid. a great movie that's the movie i was telling you about my friend mark maddox just did recently did painted this beautiful magazine cover for a issue of uh, a magazine called little shop of horrors oh nice and they did a whole episode a whole episode (laughs) a whole (laughs) magazine a whole you know the whole magazine about that movie wow i didn't know it was as long as we can do killdozer (laughs) killdozer the car (laughs) to do an episode about yeah how about the hearse the hearse. The hearse yeah. was another one with, I think, uh, George. No, somebody was in James Brolin or something. And we're talking about old made for TV, not the cool streaming made for no, TV. No, we're the ones right? from the, yeah. Because yeah, there's some really good stuff now and on yeah. TV. I'm talking but about from the good. 70s, you know. Like Caliber was basically a TV movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Netflix bought it, they couldn't release it in theaters. Even oh. though it was really made for theaters, it was incredible. But things like Trilogy of Terror that we've already talked oh, yeah. about, that was a made for TV That's movie. That's true. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's just there's a bunch of them that were actually really good. There was the one it was um, either horror or terror at some number thousand of feet. What, what was that movie? Terror at twenty thousand feet. Terror at twenty thousand feet. Yeah, was about, that the one about spiders or something? No, it oh. might have had spiders, but they were transporting some ancient uh, altar on an yeah. airplane yeah. in the yeah. cargo hold. And so they're on an airplane, and there's this demonic presence on the airplane that's coming through the floor, and it's oozing that. up. It right. was, it was actually scared me when I was a kid. It was a good one. I I don't know what I'd think if I watched it now, but do you remember when Michael calls? Oh, I do. That that's was a good really one. good. That was with uh, Michael Douglas, maybe. Was it Michael? My, I think no, it was right. When Michael calls, that's a good one. Yeah, Michael Douglas. 
I never saw that. That was like from '73. Remember, ABC had mystery movie. Yeah, and, ABC and, mystery movie, and they were, and a lot of that stuff was from there. Was that Macmillan and Wife? And no, that like was the, NBC. NBC mystery theater. Mystery theater. ABC, ABC had a mystery. That's what Duel came was originally on that. Ah, that's right. And, and Night Stalker. And Duel was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. a great movie. Oh God, I can't yeah. watch that one. That's a classic. Or don't be afraid of the dark. Was that like the little prune monsters? <laughs> or was it the pe- the people under the stairs? People under the stairs. That was a Wes Craven movie, right? Oh, was it? Yeah, that was. Or maybe that. he did a remake of it or something. But uh, wasn't that? Um, we'll have to. Uh, didn't that have Kim Darby? I think mm. it did. Right? Yeah, there was something about these little prune-faced monsters that lived under the stairs or lived in the basement or don't you're, go in the basement. You're or... thinking of ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, um, don't Be Afraid of the Dark is a 73, and it was starred Kim Darby. I think that's the one we don't think is people under the, dark. the stairs. Yeah, that's the there one with the little, little prune-faced prune yeah, creatures. Yeah, that was dope, that scared everything out of me. And, you know, I have to say, Salem's Lot. yeah. When I saw that, it was really scary. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched it, not scary. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But worth watching. I mean, vampires have come a long way. <laughs> yeah. Then. But that, but when that little kid vampire's floating in front, that is fucking scary. That is. It is. In really the book, scary. that was scary. So I remember good. that being scary in the book, which is, <laughs> you know, it was a, a scene in the, in the book that I thought was... <laughs> really Kathy's creepy. showing it on her uh, there's iPhone. A, there's a, a gif of the little vampire coming to the window. We have to remember back in the 70s, you know, we're so like, you know, there wasn't so much on TV that would scare you. So anything that was slightly like horror themed, I watched. And it was very tame. <laughs> and yeah. there's moments too. You know, I remember, I always remember speaking of things at the window, I always remember the the pig's glowing red eyes in the window in Amityville oh, Horror. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but even the book, the pig eyes scared me. Yeah, the book was scary yeah. for that one, and too. And there's It, It's TV movie, right? It, the first one. The sure. first yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was kind of bad. The first the first episode was good. The second one with the crab monster was kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost better to keep it in a book. You don't want to... I kind of don't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, we should do a whole episode about yeah, TV movies and really get into detail on it. But we should probably wrap right, this wrap one up. It. Thanks, Catherine, for the uh, from the mail. Thanks, appreciate keep, it. We won't make fun of all your movies. You people oh, I didn't make fun of it. No, well, I liked it. I haven't actually, seen it, so I'm going to watch it. Maybe I'll like it. You know, I guarantee that Catherine only remembers the scary part that we yeah. agree is scary. Yes, the, the she probably does not even remember that Charles Durning chased people down the street for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. All right, take care, everybody. All right, bye, everybody. Cinemando signing out. Bye.